This is VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. Now the host of Let's Talk Adoption, Marty Caldwell. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'm looking forward to spending time with you today. We have a wonderful show planned. Please email your questions to our website at letstalkadoption.com. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Today our guest is Nancy Parkhill. Nancy is a licensed professional clinical counselor in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She has been in practice for 10 years, and her therapy specialties include adoption, attachment, adoption search, and reunion, relationship counseling, birth mother and adoptee reunion family counseling, reactive attachment disorder, and counseling for training for counselors and adoptive parent therapy and adoption workshops. So Nancy has a lot to offer. Nancy has spent the first two and a half years of her life in Christian Children's Home in St. Louis, Missouri uh, as an orphan. Her book, Healing the Adoption Experience, recounts her life and her journey for um, psychological and emotional healing in the adoption journey. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you, Marty. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's just nice to have you. And I have so many questions for you. Tell us, how did you write your book, Healing the Adoption Experience? Um, And when you wrote it, um, did it help you overcome some of these adoption issues from your, your past? Well, Marty, I worked so seriously and diligently on my own adoption issues that uh, I think that pretty pretty much most of my healing was already done. But the reason I wrote the book was I wanted to help other adoptees. There's so many, so much misinformation out there that perhaps there a lot of people deny that they're hurt and there is trauma that they must overcome. And I wanted to be able to give them some concrete techniques and, and exercises that would help overcome those, that pain and hurt. Mm-hmm. It's an easy read book. And according to your book, you spent the first two years or two, uh, two and a half years um, in, your, in your life in an orphanage with your older sister, your biological sister. Is that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, when you were adopted, you had your uh, name changed. Um, how do you feel that affected you and, and, and since you were older and then your name changed? Because that happens often. Well, I think that how I made sense out of that was that I thought they killed Peggy and created a new entity called Nancy. Mm. And so uh, once I started my own healing work, I did a search back in the 70s when it wasn't the thing to do. And when I started my own healing work, I really had to integrate that Peggy child into Nancy's personality. Mm-hmm. What happened with me was I kind of floated through life being whatever people wanted me to be because I missed that ground, you know, that first first couple of years. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of children, I've heard children say they want a different name when they get adopted. They want to start a fresh new start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that's something that children come into the adoption and say, I, I don't want to remember my past. I want a new start. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see often? And, and how do you feel about that? Well, I think that... that Children, depending upon the age, I know that at two and a half, three years old, a child's name is part of their identity. It's as much part of them as their right arm. And if if they're an older child, I would take it on a, a one-to-one basis. But a little child, they need to be able to talk about the past. The past just doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our history. And as long as that name is a part of their identity, then I, I think that it doesn't need to be erased, that it shouldn't be erased. 
And you're talking about the first name, right? The first name, yes. yes. Oh, right. Yeah. The, you know, the, the last name, of course, would be changed. Mm-hmm. At what age did you discover that you had issues around your adoption experience? <laughs> I probably was an adult. I'm thinking, <clears throat> what age did I discover I had issues? <clears throat> Excuse me. I had issues throughout my life. I certainly had attachment issues, um, whether I named them adoption not at all. I didn't name them adoption until after I did a search. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I did a search, I didn't even know why I wanted to search. I knew there was just something inside of me that said that I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized, I didn't even know that I had some anger at my birth mother. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have any sense, and there were, were no books back then. There was nothing to read. There was nobody to validate my feelings. And until I was, until the 1980s, when I read Betty Jean Lifton's book, Lost and Found, mm-hmm. that was the first time that I had felt validated, that my feelings, I wasn't the only one out there that, that felt the way I did. Right. And, you know, this is, this is how many years ago was this all, all taking place? Oh, gosh, I'm talking um, 30 years ago, Marty. Yeah. And, see, that's, and so your book is really addressed to, to adoptees in the past, adoptive parents, like I said, professionals, and also so we can maybe help other adoptive parents and adoptees not go through the things you went through. Right. And, of course, the, the, secrets, um, it, it, the secrecy around adoption, I think, is really sad. And I think we need to, to go more and more towards open adoption, make it as open as possible so that it's safe for everyone. Mm-hmm. I was... I was adopted in an era when there was a lot of shame around infertility. Mm-hmm. There was shame around being pregnant out of wedlock. And so dealing with those shames, and of course, sealed records haven't been around except in, since 1935. Yeah. They, they haven't been around forever. But yeah. a lot of people take it for granted that that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. And I think it's very damaging. Yeah, I think I think that, that we see that so often, and that's why I think people are moving toward more openness and explaining to the children and really respecting the children um, and their needs, um, right. and not just the adoptive parents, too, and the birth mother, because a lot of times it's, they weren't respected either. Oh, um, no. So I think the whole triad, too. Um, what made you decide to become an adoption counselor or a counselor? Well, I, I became a counselor almost more about grief and bereavement. That's kind of where I entered into um, because I felt that our society, that we are kind of in death denial mm-hmm. and that there wasn't a lot of help with grief and bereavement. And, of course, that's a, a perfect doorway into the adoption arena because the, the trauma that an infant or a child experiences losing their birth mother, that, mm-hmm. that bond, that original bond, that takes grieving to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so it, that I, I find that with adoptees, there's so much grief, and we have to have a way of being able to deal with that. So the adoption, it, it, it just kind of evolved. When, when you have a calling, <laughs> it doesn't always appear immediately. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense yes. to you? Yes, it okay. does. <laughs> that, you know, sometimes it's kind of shown to you piece by piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I feel that this has happened. And now I've moved into the teaching arena where 
I'm teaching other therapists how to work with adult adoptees in a therapeutic setting. And has that been done before? Is this the first time this has been introduced? <clears throat> well, there have been, there are some places that are doing some teaching, like the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But as far as actual techniques and really looking at the, the trauma that's been experienced, no, I don't think it's been offered in this route before. You know, therapists and anybody in the behavioral health fields need to get continuing education credits. Yeah. And so I have not seen in my 10, 11 years of counseling, I haven't seen any of the companies such as Cross Country University present these workshops. So it is, it is the first time. That's wonderful, though, because that's really needed. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very exciting for me, too. Although um, I have found it is a little controversial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it always is, and I think it always will be. There are some people that just have a problem with, with um, you know, adoption. So I think it's really important that you get out there. And I think most of it is just because they don't have the knowledge. Um, and I think you have a lot of, I see a lot of angry um, adoptees from, from your era, that from the era. Um, right. They didn't have these, and, and they're rightfully upset about it, and birth moms, too, that felt like they were really discarded. Um, so I think that we're getting away from that and, and more and more open adoptions and semi-open adoptions, then uh, people know about this and learn about it. It's much more helpful. You know, right. what, what is adoption, the adoption syndrome? How do you describe that to some of our listeners? Well, that, of course, that term was uh, formed by someone else besides me, <laughs> although they called it, Swarovski called it the adopted child syndrome. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there are some states who, that insist that even an adult who is adopted um, must be called an adopted child. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we remain children. Mm -hmm. That's right. But, yeah. <laughs> but some of the symptoms, of course, are, are fear of abandonment, fear that people will not love you, mm -hmm. uh, really low self-esteem. Um, you know, leaving a relationship before the other person can leave you. Mm -hmm. um, Which can spill over to adulthood. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. It goes right across the, the lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, feeling really different, mm -hmm. that there's something wrong. Um, one of the things I hear over and over from adults adoptees is like there's something wrong with them, but they don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. But it almost goes back to, you know, if your first, first mother left you, then there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So in, in therapy, I go through a lot of exercises to lead the client into seeing that there isn't anything wrong with them, mm -hmm. that being relinquished wasn't about them. Mm -hmm. It was that mom didn't have the resources, mm -hmm. either emotional, physical, psychological, material, whatever, to be able to raise that child. Yeah. And um, Is that successful in, in sharing that? Is that do, um, do adoptees feel some relief when they go through that? Oh, very, very much so, mm -hmm. very much so. Now, does that absolutely erase the experience? No, mm -hmm. but we can make it make sense out of it. And one of the reasons, Marty, that I use the word healing mm -hmm. is because that doesn't erase the story, but it takes the pain away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we do heal, that we work towards healing in, in our lives on, on all trauma that we've experienced and issues. Because some of the same symptoms I'm looking here on page 62 of your book, and, and again, I remind our listeners, your book is Healing the Adoption Experience. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very uh, easy to read book, and uh, it's actually about 147 pages long. But you do talk on, uh, speak on this, and make a whole list of um, uh, on page 62 of symptoms. You know, Nancy, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, Nancy will share with us more information um, about healing the adoption experience for all of us to learn from. So right now, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this moment. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Peter Towns. I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Raw Truth About Health with Barry Mello and Linda Vaughn is a show that exposes the deception of man's fallen wisdom regarding diet and lifestyles. Heard every Tuesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Barry and Linda will teach you why raw foods and fresh fruits and vegetables with living enzymes are the key to why the Hallelujah Diet causes the body to heal itself from every kind of disease. So tune in and get healthy every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with the raw truth about health with Barry Mello and Linda Vaughn right here on voiceamerica.com. My name is Larry Lippman, host of Employee Benefits Radio on voiceamerica.com. I am America's Voice. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. My name is Stephen Chagrin, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, it's Sky and Denny. Come be a fly on the wall every Thursday at 1 p.m. And you're a guest at Sky and Denny's Cocktail Hour. Hop in to meet the inner circle of business experts, self-help advisors, celebrities, and other fascinating guests as they share their secrets for personal, business, and financial success. Our inside tips will help you be more successful in starting or running a business. Please join us for the cocktail hour every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's voice. The following program is a special rebroadcast. Please disregard any call-in numbers. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back. Today we're speaking with author Nancy Parkhill about her book, Healing the Adoption Experience. It's a wonderful book that is a helpful book for adults, adoptees, their families, and therapists. 
anybody really touched by the adoption by adoption should read this book. Um, they have some great tips in it, and uh, we're pleased to have Nancy on our show. Nancy, before we left, we were um, speaking a little bit about adoption syndrome and and how this uh, how you work with clients that go through this as adult adoptees. Do you think all adoptees experience some type of symptoms um, because of their adoption? Oh, um, I have to be really careful about saying all or always or never. <laughs> Absolute fear. <laughs> right. But I would say that certainly the potential is there. Um, if, if your life is working for you, there's no reason to go into therapy, is there? Mm -hmm. And many times that people, in fact, I don't know adoptees that come into therapy strictly for adoption issues. Mm -hmm. They're usually coming in for something else, whether it's, it's addiction, whether it's too many failed relationships, whether it's abuse, whether inability maybe to focus on career goals, mm, real low self-esteem, things like that. The only time that I have people really come to me for strictly adoption is when I run an adult adoptees group, mm -hmm. and they come in that way. I see. So otherwise, they're coming in for other reasons, too, and then maybe you just find out that there's an adoption in the past or whatever. Right. And then, you know, in looking at the history, and, and as therapists, we always need to look at what is the history here. Mm -hmm. For example, if, if someone has had multiple placements as a child before they were adopted, mm -hmm. we certainly can assume that there's been many more than just one loss mm -hmm. and that that's going to impact them on a different level. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I noticed in the list, too, the symptoms. Many of those symptoms, a person that stayed with their biological family could have those, too. Uh, they're being abandoned, depending on the type of parenting they had, and their childhood being maybe bounced around from relative to relative or not having a parent that wasn't really there for them. And right. so I think in sharing, to be fair to the listening audience, um, that there are some adoptees I know that, that don't feel they had a... a a issue with this at all, and it was approached uh, and shared with. And I even I met a woman one time. Gee, her adoption was four years ago. They had no adoption back then, where they stayed in well, contact, mm -hmm. and that was mm -hmm. really rare for me to to meet them. And uh, the whole family is very very well adjusted. So I think it, you're right. It does not all. I think it just depends <laughs> on the circumstances. But it's nice not to be in denial either. Right, right. And it's looking at how is our life working. Yeah. You know, if my life is working. Um, then it doesn't matter. I think many times adoptees want to do a search, mm -hmm. but they don't really know why they want to do a search. And I think before, this is my opinion, that before doing a search, I think adoptees need to be in therapy mm -hmm. to really explore what, what's going on in their lives right now that there's a search. For example, I don't think that adolescents should ever search mm -hmm. because many times they're angry. You know, they're they're gonna say, "quote I'm gonna go find my real mother." Unquote. Sure. And, that, yeah. <laughs> and that's not the time to do that. Even, and, bi even biological children say that you can't be my real mother. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't treat me that way right, if yeah. you were my real mother. You mean right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So when when we're dealing with adolescents, we certainly have to to be careful, and with children entirely. Mm -hmm. You know, when you raise your birth children. You are the good mother and the bad mother all in one. Mm -hmm. But when you're an adoptive parent, then you may be the bad mother, and there's a good mother, some magical good mother out there floating around in the adoptee's mind. Right. 
because adoptees do fantasize. Mm -hmm. And uh, so whether they tell you about them or not, they, they do fantasize. And I think it's helpful, that's why it's helpful to have contact or at least information on the birth mother, you know, photographs and information and some type of contact uh, that open adoptees so you have it because I think that uh, what I've heard from many adoptees is that with openness, they know what their biological parent looks like, at least their mother, if not their birth father, their right. birth mother. And they're not wandering through the malls or in the stores or on vacation or looking on TV and saying, gosh, that movie star looks like my birth mother, uh -huh. um, you know, and wondering. Um, that's one question that's kind of out of the way because they know either where she is, what she looks like, and have some of that information. I think it helps a lot. I think that's so important, and you're doing that in your, in your work, aren't you, Marty? Right. I do that, and it's very important. That's one of the reasons we have the program is to help educate people on the importance of uh, adoption. And the more people know about the more support you have, and I think the less we right. have these type of stories because this is sad, and, and it's, uh, my heart goes out to you and the other adoptees. But I think that through education we can maybe put, um, put that behind us in a sense that a lot more pain can be left behind and we can go forth and, and share that. But I think it's important, and I know with even my son's uh, birth family, we have an album um, with our regular photographs of that part of our life, and so he can go look at that whenever he wants to, and it's not a question anymore. Oh, isn't that wonderful? We That's wonderful. It. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's really good. Tell me, is, is depression common then in adoptees? I mean, I, I guess any more than, than a non-child that has not been brought into a family through adoption. I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. The, depre uh, the depression, is, is depression, depression common? Yeah. Is it um, common? Yes, very much so. Um, depression it is really anger, mm -hmm. okay, or, or it can be sadness. And so if we're grieving, we need to deal with, to get in touch with anger rather than sadness. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Sure, it does. Uh -huh. And that's part of the grieving process is you fold in on yourself. There's no energy when you're sad, is there? You're going to just want to curl up in a little ball and hide under the cover. Mm -hmm. But if you're angry, that brings an energy to it and a healthy anger. And one of the things that I do is teach people, for example, writing anger letters. Mm -hmm. okay, can move them out of depression and, and be able to deal with their lives and to be able to function in, in a successful way. Mm -hmm. And I noticed in here you put down, do not mail those letters. <laughs> right. In your hair. My big fear is that, you know, somebody's going to come in and say, well, Nancy, I wrote that anger letter to my mother and I mailed it. And I'm yeah. going to go, oh, no, <laughs> please don't. Uh, anger letters are ways for us to dump anger. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I use, which is absolutely wonderful, it's also wonderful for mothers, you know, people just have kids. You know those noodles that kids swim with? Right. <clears throat> I buy those from my office, cut them in half, <clears throat> and... They can, you can beat up the couch with those. Mm, that's a great idea. I get that and out. Yeah. They don't hurt anything, mm -hmm. and they make a wonderful loud noise, and you can scream, I hate you, you're stupid, <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. hurt anybody. And that's even good for uh, birth mothers, too, that have oh, right. to feel like they have been um, neglected, because a lot of our listeners, we have birth mothers, and um, some of them have come out of bad experience in the past. Mm -hmm. And I'd sure like to be able to help them in any way, and that, so that's something, too, they can do. Do you do phone counseling at all? Um, only with people who, I mean, I will consult, but because eye contact and body language is so important. Mm -hmm. If I've worked with somebody in my office for, um, you know, a, a number of months, 
Mm-hmm. And then they move, yes, I will do phone counseling I because I know them well enough. Mm-hmm. But to do phone counseling with somebody that I don't know, I, I, I won't do it. I think I feel like it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I do will go to areas, though, and do adult adoptees healing retreats mm-hmm. um, if, if I have at least five people interested. Right. So, um, so I can certainly do that. That's good. Nancy, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back here, I want you to share how we can um, find your book okay. and how we can find out more about what you're doing and how people can contact you also. So it's time for our break. When we return, Nancy Parkhill will share more about uh, healing the adoption experience with you and about her book and how this can affect your life also in a positive manner. So stay with us. Don't touch that mouse. Be right back after this break. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. My name is Karen Green, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Join sales executives Scotty and Teresa for Sales Talk every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's the fun venue to facilitate business growth and increase revenue through sales execution. Tune in to hear interviews with nationally recognized sales experts and authors. We will explore the critical challenges that salespeople and sales leaders face in today's turbulent economy. Listen and have your pressing sales issues answered. We walk the walk and talk the talk. You'll laugh a little and learn a lot. Join us Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. This is Beth Warren, host of Workworld's Radio Hour on VoiceAmerica.com. I am America's Voice. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. My name is John Jensen, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. 
The following program is a special rebroadcast. Please disregard any call-in numbers. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now once again, here's Marty. Welcome back to the show. Nancy, um, we're going to go ahead and we have a few more questions for you. Um, we want to go ahead and share, uh, to share with people. Um, I want to also share that next week, uh, Dr. Ellen um, Fitzrider is the author of Finding Catherine Joins Us, and she's going to share her international adoption adventure with us. It's quite an experience. And you're going to learn more about the great ado international adoption tips and what to do when life throws you a curveball. It's quite a show, so I encourage you to listen in next week for that program. Nancy, let's go back. We have a lot we still want to cover. Um, why does the closed adoption system bring shame to so many adoptees? One time that we have secret, secrets, if, if you have a secret and you think you're not supposed to talk about something, then it, it gives you a sense of wrong about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the closed adoption system has has perpetuated the secret, mm -hmm. and and so if, even if an adoptive parent is says that they're comfortable talking about it, but there's some body language that maybe some discomfort, or they don't know what the answers are and they're uncomfortable with that, the child is going to pick that up because mm -hmm. children are just very sensitive about other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. I think I think really the education of the adoptive parents because if you're you know and kids ask questions that you know you're cooking all of a sudden and you get thrown this this uh, curveball onto this question if you're not prepared for it at any time um, right. the children pick up they know right away when there's tense and when there's um, fear in right. the parents I think you're absolutely right in that too what what type of emotional hurt um, is done to adoptees and, and you know now how can we prevent this in the future um, we chat about that just briefly but. It's just some basic tips we can give to prospective adoptive parents and adoptive parents listening to the program now and birth parents. What can we do to prevent some of these this pains, emotional damage that can be well, done? Well, I think the important thing is that adoptive parents need to know that they they need to attach to this child. For example, if they get a, a an infant mm -hmm. that a brand new or a few weeks old, this infant has has grieving going on. Mm -hmm. The infant may choose to, to lay in the crib and not cry. That baby needs to be picked up and held skin to skin anyway. I, I agree. I was going to suggest <laughs> the same thing. I think skin to skin is extremely important, and, and I think people, if, if people listening, um, adoptive families-to-be are listening, work extra hard, take on an extra job before you get the baby, and take that time afterwards for bonding. Oh, yes. A yes. crucial, crucial, crucial. You'll never have that again. Right. And those first few weeks and few months are important. If you have to eat beans and rice, do it, because... I think that was some of the most important advice ever given to adoptive parents is spend that time holding that baby and getting to know that baby. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree. And if, if the baby it kind of stiffens up and doesn't want to be held, it needs to be held anyway mm -hmm. and cuddled and, and loved and, and, you know, skin more skin to skin. Yeah. And even if it's an older child, that they, they need to be held whether they want to be held or not. Yeah. And even just brushing their hair. Um, you know, rubbing their feet while you're um, while you're watching TV. I, even my children now, at you know, their age is almost 12 and, and 17. Um, I curl up on the couch and make a little nest, and I have them. My my six foot three son sits in my nest with his legs overflowing. And oh, you know what? Wonderful. It's, it's not wonderful because you're still touching and still age appropriate. Right. But you're there and rubbing their back and brushing their hair and even cutting their hair. Anything you can have some contact, physical contact with your child. 
um, to let them know. And we play games about sharing with each other that we love each other and, um, and things like that that I think are really appropriate. Um, and kids need to hear that at any age. I think it's real important. Oh, yes. Yes, I agree. And, and I know you're sharing that with prospective adoptive parents. Important. Explain to us. This is this is important, and you know, there's been some articles about it and controversy. The intra and the extra uterine bonding that goes on with the birth mom and adoptive parents and mothers. Tell me, explain those effects of that. Well, the bonding with the the birth mother that can never be replicated. Mm-hmm. Now, we, a, and a child can attach to a new mother, but but can't bond mm-hmm. because the bonding begins before birth. Mm-hmm. Hearing mother's voice. Hear, being on the body rhythm, hearing that, you know, that shoosh, shoosh, shoosh of the blood mm-hmm. and body fluids and, and all of that, then the instant that that infant is born, okay, the, the odor of the, the birth mother. The bromes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. So even if an infant goes directly into an adoptive parent's arms, still it, it's not the mother. It's not the birth mother. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, and, and it is a trauma to be broken away from that. So the the attachment that can be done with the adoptive mother is is going to be different, but it's still it's really really important. It's still an interruption in that bonding cycle. You bet, um, whether we want to or not. And I know that a lot of adoptive moms want to know how they can make that easier. And I know that uh, many birth moms spend that that those first moms spend that time in the hospital, spending time with the baby. It's um, wonderful when they will. Yeah, yeah, and I think it is important. A lot of them just can't do it emotionally because they know they have to go through and it's much more difficult. But I think it has to be that choice of the birth mother, too, and by understanding. Um, so when that happens, then, how long is that How long is that effect and what can be done to help with that? I think that the trauma, I have seen it be uh, over the years, um, that it's just continually, that there, it's almost like post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. okay, that it's a physical loss that's experienced, okay. And the problem with it is that it's on a visceral level. It's preverbal. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that um, at one of my workshops a, a couple of weeks ago, there was a woman there who, when she met her birth mother, mm, they enjoyed each other, but it wasn't, you know, any earth-shattering. But when she watched her mother get on the airplane, her birth mother, she felt sobs coming up physically mm-hmm. from in her body. Mm-hmm. And she was shocked. But that's a PTSD sound yes. feeling, you know. And so, so it was that trauma. But if you know what that is, you can deal with that. Mm-hmm. The being and, surprised. Hmm? The being surprised by it. Right, right. What, what type of things can we look for in our infants? So we're at the hospital and we've got the baby. Um, we're going home. Are there symptoms? Because it's, it's before, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's prior to verbal communication. What kind of signs does a baby show? Are there any signs? There, there may be. The baby may be super quiet. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say, oh, such a, she's such a good baby, never cries. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> babies cry. They cry for reasons. They have needs. Mm-hmm. But if they've cried and nobody came, the mother that they were bonded to, the, the person with the voice and the face, you know, they're now knowing that infants can recognize their mother's faces immediately from birth, mm-hmm. okay, and search out their mother's at birth. And so they're going to be grieved. They're, they're going to be sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's either rage, anger, real anger, or it, where it's, it's unexplained. You can't comfort. You can't hold them. They won't let you. They stiffen up. Or they're not crying at all. Mm-hmm. And so again, 
the, the caregivers, the adoptive parents or whoever is taking care of that infant needs to be holding, holding, holding. And that's what's nice about international, inter, inter, um, inter-country adoption or interstate adoption is they have to have that time before inter, the interstate compact allows them to leave that one state to their state when there's no one else around except for them and their baby to uh-huh. really spend time doing that. They're not working and they have that time to bond. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And well, that's what we need to do is just educate adoptive parents that, um, you know, that a lot of these problems can can be softer, <laughs> okay? Now, right. adoptive mother cannot fix the trauma of losing a, a birth mom. Mm-hmm. She can't fix that, but she can she can help the child to attach to her mm-hmm. and teach it trust, teach the child, this baby, trust and reciprocity and all those wonderful things that that we need to learn to be functioning adults. Right. And I think uh, singing to the baby, even if your voice is not wonderful, um, right. the, the babies love to hear it be sung to, and I think it's really important um, to sing to that baby and to have some songs. Even if I know my children at this age, I love still when I sing, even though my voice is the greatest. <laughs> it, it, it's just that reminder of when they were a child, too. Right. And getting right. as much information from the birth mother, too. And I noticed that even with my son, when he was little, um, his birth mother used to put a little blanket over the top of the crib to keep the warmth in and the light out. And I find that he sleeps best with his blankets over his head. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of interesting things. If I had known that at all, I would not have been able to share that with him. So he feels okay about it. You know, it would be interesting to study, for example, if, if you have a dog that you have to take to the, to the kennel, mm-hmm. if you take something of yours that, that, that smells like you and leave it with that dog, the dog will feel safer. Mm-hmm. I'm right. wondering if infants, if there was something that was the birth mom's, I mean, I'm just throwing well, it out. We have done this in the past. We've had the, the birth mother give her nightgown, uh-huh. uh, give a, uh, a stuffed animal she slept with for a uh-huh. while to the adoptive parents. Does that seem to Yes, I think it did. If you put and it not, in with the crib. Exactly. And I tell families when we are watching children in our home that are older that I don't even care if the, the teddy bear is a little bit dirty. Just keep it that way. Don't wash it because it has the, the um, aroma oh, of the, um, the birth mother and it calms the child down. Oh, Marty, that's wonderful. Yeah, so it's really important, and I'm finding that more and more if we can do this and, and that we don't have people, you know, I've had adopted moms come in before and, and take off the clothes that the baby had and put on her own, and I'm thinking, ugh, you know, <laughs> take the clothes at least and have it there because it's really crucial that child have as much as they can from their past and, right. and let the child make that decision if they want to later on when they're older to not have that in their life, but don't make that decision for the child because I think that's traumatic right there. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I'm so glad to hear you're doing that work. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, um, give us a few exercises adoptees can do to start healing in the process because we have some adoptees that are listening and some birth mothers. Let's, let's first focus on the adoptees. What can they do, a few things they can do to start that process? Well, I, I think the first thing they need to do is to really write their story. Mm-hmm. And when I, write, when I say write their story, there's more than one story. There's a story that they were told, especially if it was a, a closed adoption, mm-hmm. the story they were told then the story that they think happened, okay? Um, and that story is what did, what, why did they think their birth mother relinquished them and why did they think their adoptive parents adopted them? Because that may be different. What they hear and, and what they imagine may be two different things. Okay. And so that they get a, a clear picture of, you know, what, what was it like to be adopted? Mm-hmm. And they write that out. Okay, so that one too, huh? Right. Um, then looking at, you know, is there a possibility that they 
most people that are going to search, they say it's for medical reasons. That's pretty safe, isn't it? There's no emotional connection to that. Right. And so what I would look at, why do you really want to search and really explore and do some, I highly recommend that people journal every day for, you know, five, ten minutes. That they journal, that they're looking at their thoughts, what's going on inside of them. Mm-hmm. And, and to start noticing how do they feel when somebody's late, late for lunch and they have a lunch date with them. <laughs> yeah. How it's do they feel yeah, if somebody responds? It's interesting how they respond to different things that may seem they shouldn't get upset about what they do. Right. Yeah, go right. ahead. Um, wh- how do they feel when somebody hints that they're, n- they're going to leave them? Mm. You know, say they're in a relationship. How do they feel about that? Is their first thought, well, well then I'll just go first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is their thought, ooh, how can I hang on to this person? Or what do I have to give up to be able to be loved by this person? So it's really looking at inside, inside of ourselves. I would say I think the, the search and reunion are important. I think the search is important for the adoptees to, to do themselves because it's empowering. It's their life. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I think adoptive parents need to give as much information as they can, just as agencies need to. A, a person who searches should not have to find out that they're the product of rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they may, you know, they, they need to, to be prepared for that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the product of incest. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because that does happen. Oh, yes. I see it. We see it today. Uh, we see it uh, you know, every year. That's right. right. That does happen, too. And so, but with this, we need to be able to, to make sure that the person who searches has enough information that they're prepared. Like, w- what I do with clients is explore every possibility. Mm-hmm. before they find their birth mother. You That's know? really wise yeah. Yeah, to have that. It's time for our break. When we return, Nancy is going to share some more information, and we're going to discuss the reactive attachment disorder with you and um, go on some questions we have for Nancy. So don't touch that mouse. We'll be right back. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. My name is Gavin Jerome. My name is Andrew Sloss. My name is John Jensen. And I am. And I am. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you tired of listening to political shows that put a slant on every topic? Get honest, straightforward talk with no spin. Listen to Political Propaganda or Not with Oliver Kelman every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Oliver and guests will discuss major political events and issues from an independent, straightforward perspective. Political Propaganda or Not, cutting-edge commentary from the city where politics and politicians rule. Join Oliver Kelman every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Bill Rogers, host of From Face to 